0: yet another edition of the DC3 cast. I am Brian Salvatore. I'm Vince Ostrowski. And I'm
1: Zach Wilkerson.
0: Thanks for joining us again for another show. This is uh, going to be a fun one. We have Jeff Parker, the new writer of Justice League United, on the show in just a few minutes. And um, before we get to that, though, guys, what has been your... To kind of tease the next part of the show. What's been your favorite... Uh, character that you've seen solicited to be a part of JLU so far?
1: Oh man! Um, well, I'm 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 really psyched to see Robot Man again, uh, especially because there was a little bit in the in that sneak peek, that eight page sneak peek from the the Divergent uh, sneak peeks. There was a little uh, tease about you know my my prior team or whatever, uh, or I've got a team of my own, at, mm-hmm. you know supposedly teasing the doom patrol so who knows if they'll play any role in the future at all but just the fact that 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 was teased kind of you know my spider sense went off on that one that's and the
0: podcast i'm sorry uh
1: yeah, that's the mc3 right 2
0: they're the mc2 <laughs> <Two>. <laughs> even though there's three of them
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that uh, makes about <laughs> as much sense as 60 all new number ones Coming in October.
0: We'll get to that later. Uh, Zach, what about you? What's what's the character you're most looking forward to?
2: Definitely Captain Carrot.
0: That's a good one. No, hands down. Yeah. I I think you win. (laughs) I think you win already. Uh, For me, I I think it's going to be... um, In the first image we saw, we saw Static Shock. But I'm pretty sure that he's since been pulled from... From those images. That's,
2: that's not canon anymore.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so because I can't go with Static Shock and because Robot Man was my answer, but uh, but Vince took it, I'm going to uh, go, go with Swamp Thing. Mm. I like Swamp Thing. I feel like Swamp Thing works much better as, as it is a team player sometimes because he's just so different. So yeah, Swamp Thing's my answer. But uh, without any further ado, let's jump over to our chat with Jeff Parker, and we'll be back in a little while to talk about Luxembourg. Please welcome to the program one of our favorite writers, the new writer of Justice League United from DC Comics. We have Mr. Jeff Parker on the show tonight. Jeff, you're calling in from Portland, I presume? Yes, I'm in Portland, Oregon.
3: How is Portland tonight? It's uh it's a little warm. It's not as hot as it has been the past few days.
0: what, what is hot for Portland?
3: Uh probably almost the same as hot as everywhere else cuz it's uh it's been in the 90s a okay. lot, which which doesn't happen that much here. It, and definitely not this early
0: in the year. So a lot of cartoonists are complaining. <laughs> <laughs> so um we want to get right into Justice League United. This book has one of the most Expansive pitches that we can remember. So, how did this come about? Did did you go to DC and say, "Hey, I have this idea," or were they looking for a JLU writer and you said, "I can work with that"? You know how did how did your version of the book come about? Yeah, I actually sent. Uh, I won't say what I was actually pitching, but I actually
3: sent uh, a pitch for a different book to Dan. And uh, but basically, I was it was the same concept. I was trying to pitch a thing where we use a ton of uh, the the rest of the DC characters. I just thought it would be fun to have this big revolving door where you bring in all these teams. And uh, and I didn't realize that at the time that they were trying to nail down JLU uh, going forward or whatever. Uh, so Dan sent me back an email like, we love it, uh, just one change.
4: <laughs>
3: and, then, and then Bob Harris will tell you. And then, and of course, they tell... What they tell me is, but we want it in, in Justice League United. And I went, oh, yeah, it still works there. Um, so, you know, with minimal tinkering, I was able to still get the same concept going.
0: Now, when you have a concept this this gigantic and sprawling, did you have a list of characters that you felt, yeah, I need these characters at the heart of it? Or were you more open to just kind of letting letting fancy take you wherever, wherever the story went, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to be extremely
3: zen about it and uh and you know, invite the artist to to suggest all they want, or Andy Corey, the editor, to suggest whatever he wants, because I can make almost anything work. And uh and and that's the way I plan to treat the book. Um and then there's a few favorites like I just want to get in there. And uh and then it also occurred to me it's like, oh, if I race ahead and define this character first, then I get to <laughs> lay down the continuity for somebody. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, but I also was kind of using it. It's like, this This will force me to be more plugged into the wider DC universe right now, which is something I, I wasn't doing as much with Aquaman, and now now I feel like, uh, you know, I'm kind of caught up on things and ready to do it. So who are I'm, some of those I'm favorites? transitioning these... from Marvel, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm still like I'm still like saying man thing instead of swamp thing. I've got to get...
0: <laughs> Is there some sort of swear jar in the DC offices? Whenever you do that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say, you say some little. Oh,
3: good grief! I could have turned that into a good joke, and then you just had to put in money. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, that could have been good. You gave me a good setup, and I botched it. That's all right. We forgive you. It's the heat. I can't help it. <laughs>
1: So, Jeff, who are some of those favorite characters uh, that you're talking about? If you can reveal any of that to us at this point,
3: well, like in the first one, we're leading right off, and I, I figured let's pick it to show just how different we'll go with this. Uh, you know, so we start off with Swamp Thing, uh, Etrigan the Demon, Poison Ivy. You know, just immediately start bringing in characters that you don't associate so much with Justice League. Unless you remember Justice League Task Force, which, uh, which which did you know Etrigan got in there. Uh, everybody loves the demon.
0: I also think that I mean, at least for me, as somebody who grew up, I'm a little bit too old to have watched the show, um, sort of in its target demographic. But it kind of reminded me too of Justice League United, sorry, Unlimited, the the cartoon, where there right. was this very very large cast that would then have the smaller task forces going off and doing their own thing.
3: Yeah, and and I like that. Uh, I like Batman Brave and the Bold, which also had Batman teaming up with absolutely anybody. And it's probably, yeah, it probably totally fits somewhere between those two. So just characters you would not think DC even uses, I want to show up, you know. Mm -hmm.
4: Uh,
3: Because I I feel like we can play with a lot of uh, untouched uh, uh, stuff from DC's
0: past, and I want to do that. Well, you know, you you mentioned before you were writing for Marvel for so long. What is your DC history? Uh, you know, did you grow up reading the books or are you more of a recent convert? No, I actually read more of DC as a
3: kid because uh, I read mostly comics in my dad's grocery store. And uh, whoever the distributor was mainly carried DC Comics. Uh, the reading Marvel comics generally, they had a few, but most of the time I saw those if I went to a Seven Eleven. So, uh, I, I was, I was totally fine on the DC stuff. I, I read that since I could read, um, you know, I have all kind, And then a lot of the continuity or, or a lot of the stories and characters have come around back to earlier versions. So suddenly I'm actually current again.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So, Jeff, you, you talked a little, You talked about, you know, wanting to bring in the characters that you, you know, kind of had a, a history for, like, ones that were really close to you, but you also kind of picked up the core team from Jeff Lemire's uh, run on the book. Did you have any kind of attachment to, like, Animal Man or Stargirl coming in, or was that just uh, something, like, a task for you to take on?
4: There,
3: No, it's, I like those characters, but... Um... Yeah, the only ones I, I, you know, I really, of course, grew up reading would be like Adam Strange, okay, um, and uh, you know I'm looking through it, and and then we couldn't use them all because uh, different characters, new books dictate that, in their status quo, dictate that they couldn't be in the the Justice League for a bit because you know they have their own storylines to follow, uh, without me just sticking them all over the place. <laughs> so, um, so that. That's why people are going, well, where's Martian Manhunter? You know, where, Where's Supergirl? I'm like, don't worry, I'll try to get them in
0: as soon as I humanly can. Mm-hmm. But but at the moment, they're busy. <laughs> uh... Well, I actually wanted to, uh, to talk about that a little bit. It seems like post-Convergence, post-DC's Weeklies, it seems like there's a little bit more of a lax attitude about, well, there are things happening in one book, and it doesn't have to necessarily be in lockstep with the other books, is that just a perception thing, or is that the reality for for writing a team book right now? Uh, I hope it
3: is because uh, I prefer that. Uh, I, you know, I'm I'm very big on telling people to make their own continuity. Like you know, simply put, if if a character is handled the way you don't like, uh, simply don't think about that issue again. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it's not real people, and it didn't really happen. Just to, just Build your own continuity out of whatever you liked, um, and I, I realize that can't be such a policy, but I do feel like they're they're more concerned with story and uh, less concerned with uh, make sure and get these facts in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know at least I haven't picked up that vibe from anybody yet. Uh, but whenever I ask for PDFs of what else is going on, everybody's quick to send it over and help me out, so everybody's been very helpful. I'm trying to line up with things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if if the voices shift a little bit, you know, hopefully people will just realize. Uh, let, me, it, let me think. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know, you guys are much younger than me. But uh, when I was reading Swamp Thing in the 80s, and uh, and when they first had the Justice League appear in Swamp Thing. And, and it was kind of neat because it looked all different. It looked more like, you know, it was Toddlebin and Bissett drawing it. So it suddenly looked like you're looking through this sort of filter. It's like, here's the way these things appear and the way they act when they're in Swamp Thing. you know. And I didn't necessarily think it had to be just like what I was seeing in the other books at the time. But I really loved that kind of uh, colored lens view of everything. It's like, here's the way they are in this book. I would like a little bit of that and, and for people to consider that so they don't think, uh, you know, it has to be when they appear somewhere else, they have to be exactly the way they were in JLU, if that makes a sense.
4: Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think...
2: Uh, oh, oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Zach.
3: Go,
4: no, go you ahead.
3: go
2: ahead. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, Travel Foreman has a really distinctive art style, and I think, you know, you can't really match the the more traditional look with him. I You know, I do feel like that Justice League United... Has a very distinct feel, kind of in the same vein as you know the the eighty swamp thing.
3: Yeah, and that's actually a good point. I, I wasn't even thinking of that, but yeah. Uh, looking through travel vision, you're seeing everything <laughs> a little different than you would normally see. And he's going to do what he's going to do, and it, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Uh, you know, and I'll often tweak uh, what I had happen based on how he draws it. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you know he he he's got a real vision. It's really interesting.
0: It's 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 interesting you say that. I was on another podcast, another multiversity podcast, a few months ago, talking about um, Cosmic Odyssey. You know, Mike Maniola's. Uh, oh yeah. And I was uh, I, I was really young when that came out. When I bought that book as a kid, it was the first time I ever thought, oh, so Superman can look different like yeah. you know it was just it was the first time in my young mind that I put that together and said oh, okay well that's something that can be a uh, you know that that's a cool thing about comics that someone can look different and talk different over here and and that's what makes comics special and i feel like that's actually hurt comics in the last decade or so when everything yeah, just, has to be so in lockstep
3: yeah if you're too consistent across the board uh then it doesn't uh yeah it's it's weird it's like why switch to different? Why check out different books
0: if you know how they're going to be? That's the fun of it. Absolutely. Um, so, so we we've read JLU eleven. So we see how this team kind of comes together. Uh-huh. We've seen. Sort of. um, yeah, you get a little bit of it. We we kind of jump in the story and don't give you a whole lot to go with. Right. Um, but we also read the eight page preview. You know, in uh, in the back of the convergence books. And what's what was most fascinating to me is just this idea of, it seems like, while this is very much a shared universe, there, this world has a lot of mystery in it. And I, I feel yeah. that's actually something that's been really missing from the Justice League books lately, is that sense of mystery and, oh shit, we don't know what's going on necessarily. Uh, do you think that's important when tackling... Because, you know, the whole point of the Justice League is these are the things that are too big for one hero to handle. So do you feel that mystery is an important part of those huge stories?
3: Yeah, thanks for bringing that up because that that really is an element I like about that. It's like, yes, you have to get in these heavy hitters and different ones because we don't know what we're dealing with. Uh, but in our setup, wherever Adam Strange is, he has a kind of uh, a kind of behind the scenes look at things, and he's the one sending out the messages through Atlanta. To let them know like you need to draft these people to deal with this particular And in ours we call them the breakers. There are these anomalies that are appearing just anywhere in the universe. Some can be just out in space, not really causing a threat, but then if they're ones on Earth, it's gonna be a big problem. And they're they're very potentially deadly and uh you know, and and instead of just saying, hey, we'll just send in all the big guns. We hope to show you over the next few issues that that wouldn't work. Uh, what I like is the the idea, and I wasn't even kind of trying to come trying to get to this; it just sort of naturally came out. But the idea is that there's a perfect person for every job, and it's not even necessarily the the job you think they're suited to. And I just like that about humanity in general. You know, you drop someone into a certain situation and they're going to handle it a certain way and that's what needs to happen. And that's kind of the basis of the book, which is why you can get a really disparate cast each time. I love that you focus on that because um,
1: too many times there are team books where like two or three of the members end up being useless.
4: <laughs> and I
1: feel like you're making a conscious effort to make sure that everyone has a place on the team, whether they realize it or not. Yeah,
3: and I've written a lot of team books, and I yeah I've seen that problem come up before. Uh, you know, because you're handed a team all the time; you don't always get to pick them. And I like that. And with our kind of weirdly holistic uh, setup, er- absolutely everybody on the team is required. And if they're they don't get to go, it causes problems. Uh, and so it's yeah, you can't just throw Superman, Green Lantern, and whoever at it. And it was like, Oh, they'll take care of it. No, they might make it worse. You know, like, uh, what if Superman's more susceptible to the mind control of, of, of something going on in one of the, the scenarios, then you just made it all worse, you know? So you want to send in somebody who might be more covert this time. And sometimes, and, and also the genre, here's a big thing. The genres of the story will shift. So, uh, you know, it could be a straight-up horror story one minute, and then it could turn into a mystery or a, a kind of pulp adventure.
2: Yeah, from from issue eleven, I definitely got a vibe of like this is a this is like a case that they're on, and you can almost kind of come out of it, come at it as as like a puzzle where you've chosen these pieces that are necessary to solve the puzzle, but that you don't really know how how that's all going to work out. Um, do you think that, is that the approach you're kind of going to take as the book goes on with these sort of shorter, um, cases with a specific team or do you, um, eventually see like more longer, uh, drawn out arcs? Uh,
3: there might, there, there's always going to be like, uh, there'll be short arcs, but they'll all be joined by some longer, uh story threads that that even weave those together so you know one member of the core justice league united always uh goes along with the team and the first time it's equinox and uh she's kind of being thrown in into a big role like right off the bat because she just became a hero you know she was uh only uh, only you know Lemire created her in his run um You know, and I wanted to keep her going because I think she's a cool character. Uh, but I I also, I, you know, I want to play with the fact that she doesn't really, this, she's still pretty new to this and she's been given a, handed a ton of responsibility and has to handle it. So, you know, stuff like that's, uh, pretty fun. And I probably drifted right off of whatever you were asking. Sorry about that, man. No, that's, that's, (laughs) you know, pretty spot
2: on. Um, do you, um, do you do you have an
3: end game in mind right now? I've got a number of them i and I'm trying to keep like at least three scenarios uh just in case things change and going along with the Zen approach of the book uh you know to give myself some room and it, you know when you're plotting you can do that mm-hmm. you can think well here's a here's a very dire scenario we could end with, and we'll see if that that's a good way to go or, you know, or here's, here's a role that can affect a couple of characters pretty harshly. You know, it's, I I prefer to get into it. And then after I've been telling the stories for a while, you know, then really make my tough choice. It's, I like Alan Moore's reference to it, like landing a plane where he feels like I'm fairly certain I can put that plane down by now. And I, I, I can relate to that metaphor Because I like to keep it a little open-ended, so I'm surprised. But at the same time, you know, I'm not going to screw myself. I'm not going to write something I can't get out of. (laughs) I I, I always know my general direction, but I I am very aware that I've got some options in that last act.
0: All right, so uh, you were once a guest on our old podcast, The Hour Cosmic, which was a game show. So I'm kind of trying to keep little bits of games involved in this show here. So I have a couple of scenarios for you, Jeff, and I want you to put together the perfect Justice League team for these mini-missions, okay? Mm. Uh, it's 4th of July this weekend. Big barbecue is happening at the Hall of Justice. Who are the four team members you put in charge of getting the meal done? Well, I think Firestorm's got to be there. Uh,
3: you know, that right there. If he can't get the freaking fire started, you're just, you know... <laughs> <laughs> That, that whole thing with charcoal briquettes is always puzzling. I suppose, <laughs> I suppose Superman could come in handy. Oh, yeah, super cold breath. You know, let, let's use his super cold breath that doesn't get used enough. <laughs> um, Keeps the beer cold. Exactly. Or maybe keep it down to uh, the current sort of, sort of depowered Superman who really enjoys eating because now he gets hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so don't invite him when he's going to eat all the food. Yeah, yeah, just like he. I, I like the way Greg Pock had him just enjoying, just eating a crappy Seven uh, Eleven burrito. You know, he's so happy about it. And I'm like, uh, go somewhere. <laughs> you, know, you, you could just say you're Superman, and anybody will take you out to eat. You know, you get to go to all the cool places in the country. <laughs> Actually, that would be funny. I wish he would do that. Um, so we got Superman
0: and Firestorm. Two more.
3: Yeah, let's see. Who who would be good at making some fireworks? Wait, that's still Firestorm. <laughs> uh, Check hey, out I, I,
0: see, I landed on the
3: one-man party right there. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else do you need for Fourth of July? Oh, man. Uh, Constantine always seems to have beer. <laughs> <laughs> like, didn't he just show up and give Swamp Thing some drink recently or yeah. something? You know, the, uh. Man, you would think as this is my job, this would be a lot easier. <laughs> what would Wonder Woman do? I'm sure everybody would have a good. T- uh, Mira, get uh, get Aquaman's wife in there.
0: She can she bring can some have, fish.
3: Yeah, well, she can bring. Oh, well, she mm-hmm. can, You know, if you have it at the beach, then she can just bring a bunch of water up, keep everybody cool. It'll be, you know, that'll be a lot of fun. Okay. And she's also in that first story by the way. I didn't yeah. I just realized I didn't list her.
0: <laughs> okay. So, um scenario number 2 here. It's um it's a birthday party for Buddy Baker's daughter and the clown cancels which three Justice Leaguers put on the show for the kids at the party. Wow. You really thought this out. <laughs> no, this is this is kind of on the fly actually.
3: <laughs> believe it or not. Let's see uh, who's not going to scare her? That's what I'm trying to think. Uh, let's see. Yep. You know, wait. Metamorpho hasn't been introduced yet, so yeah, maybe have him set out. Who's entertaining? Zatanna's a magician, I, I guess. That yeah, you, you have... can't beat Zatanna. Come on, <laughs> everybody wants a magician at the party, and the, plus the kids, and that would that's actually perfect because. You know, little girls often like to do that little uh get up get up speaking trick thing to kinda <laughs> code code talk with their friends. Uh-huh. Zatanna's backward speaking would fit right in there. Yeah, it'd be hard to hard to top her. Uh Robot Man, probably get him <laughs> somewhere. He could blow up balloons
0: pretty well, I bet.
3: Yeah, he could do he can do whatever. He can just move stuff around, he's really strong. Uh <laughs> He doesn't need to eat, so you don't have to worry about feeding him. <laughs> um,
1: Beast Boy yeah. could be
3: a one-man petting zoo. Oh, yeah, or Beast Boy. Uh, uh,
0: every kid would love that. Gosh. That's good. All right, last one. You are uh, starting a small business. You need an accountant. You need somebody to be a manager. And you need somebody to be the, the grunt in the back. Let's see. You need an accountant. Uh, a grunt in the back. And then a front of house person.
3: Yeah. Oh, man. A good receptionist. Wow. Wait. That also seems like one we could get one hero who does all that. <laughs> you know, uh, it'd be cool if uh, Lucius Fox could come over and be that money guy. That's, uh, you know, I can't think of anybody in the DC Universe Really better than him. Wait, do they still have the dial H for hero guy? <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, oh, the front person. Man. and eh, no, Supergirl. and eh, no, that's that's kind of a waste of her. Um, I think
0: Stargirl might be good. She, she's bubbly.
3: Star, yeah, Stargirl would be good. Yeah, She can lead you around with her big star staff. Her, uh... <laughs> Cosmic yeah, you know, rod, or cosmic rod. I, I I always try to avoid saying that, but <laughs> <laughs> Just... <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'd put Star Girl there. Yeah, obviously, you know, if it's Baker's daughter, her dad uh, can do almost anything. The grunt work, like a dad does. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, let me bring back Robot Man for that one too. Just imagine, <laughs> um. God, there's so many good tech guys too.
0: What kind of business was it anyway? You, I totally you, lost the you thread pick, there. You pick it, and you're starting a small business. He needs some help. See, so I would oh, think yeah. Lex Luthor would be that would be the clear guy. He has the money to back you. He's ruthless. He'd yeah. you know. immediately
3: immediately just wipe out whoever the other competition was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Jeff. With with Brainiac as the system, as the software. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. That's good. That's good. This is is pretty good business. Yeah. (laughs) Bruce Wayne, not really, because he's not actually that good a businessman. But he's very, (laughs) very good at delegating. That is true. He's a good manager. Yeah. He can't be bothered to wake up during the day to actually go to Wayne Functions.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You could almost just cast the whole Bat family as a business. Yeah, yeah, we are sort of done. It has
0: been done. (laughs) Has been done. Well, Jeff, give us a couple of little uh, teases about what we can see in the future, things you're hoping to get to, things you think we'll enjoy about the book in the next few months. Um, the next arc, uh, which is drawn by Paul Pelletier,
3: who I've worked with quite a bit on Aquaman, is going to feature some characters who haven't been seen in the uh, the modern. DC Universe and in, in quite some time and I didn't even realize that I just thought hey it'd be cool if we had blah blah and blah uh, and I'm, I'm going to save those for the uh, solicits but uh, yeah, you'll get to see some characters you would really never expect to see turning up in a Justice League book uh, I'll just phrase it that way um, yeah and it really Paul is like are you trying to kill me with just all of this art <laughs> He always complains, but he does such a good job of it. And also, if I try to take it easy on him, he just makes it very detailed and hard anyway, so there's actually no incentive for me uh, (laughs) to try to to take it easy on him. (laughs) Oh, and Vandal Savage shows up. I'll give that one because he's uh, somebody who shows up every now and then in Justice League books, and I like Immortals. Cool.
0: And where can folks find you on social media if they wanted to tell you how much they're enjoying the book or, or ask you more weird questions like we just asked you.
3: Yeah, and I'll just say lol and put a little star next to it. <laughs> uh, the, I'm really only uh, ever spending any time on Twitter. And there I'm just Jeff Parker. There's no fancy underlines or anything like that. Just type my name in. Um, and, uh, and I do respond to most people. I try to actually really do dialogues on there with people. Uh, instead of just handing out a, hey, go buy my book all all the
0: time. (laughs) (laughs) And and what shows are you doing for the rest of the year? Okay, let's see. I am
3: going to, they just announced uh, SenseiCon, the Tony Moore show, Um, and that's in September. Zach, are you going to that? Yeah,
2: I I plan on it. Yeah, I didn't go last year, but I went the year before, and it's a cool show.
4: Yeah, so
3: cool. I'll see you at that. Uh oh, before yeah. then before then uh next month at the very end of the month beginning of, uh August, I'm going to the Boston Comic Con. And I've never been to that, so I'm pretty excited about I've that. I've heard great things. And and I'm glad you're reminding me because I need to ship some books out there so I <laughs> like I've got all these Flash Gordon omnibuses that I need to sell. Oh, uh, can we can,
0: can we talk about that off the air? <laughs>
4: yeah
3: I'll take five yeah <laughs> and uh yeah but uh with Evan Doc Chener and Jordy Belair um let's see I'll be at the Rose City show but that's not a surprise that's in Portland mm-hmm. um oh, gosh it seems like there's something else I'm going to are you
0: coming back out to New York or no
3: I might I haven't decided yet I, I think I am though I'm except I may go and not actually set up but just like, do one signing and run around and high-five everybody. So, <laughs>
4: that
3: that may be one where everybody has to just catch me walking around Artist Alley.
0: Well, Multiversity always has a party at that show, so you have to come out to our party at least. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, where where do you have your party? We uh, we have a great bar called Stitch that donates their space to us. It's for the Hero Initiative. We've raised over $10,000 for the Hero Initiative at New York Comic Con the last two years. Wow. Okay. So, you have to come out to it now.
3: Oh, well, Yeah.
0: Sure. (laughs) Good. We have one guest guaranteed, guys. Check it out. (laughs) Yeah. If I am there, I'm going to your party. Excellent. All right. We'll be right back after this. Thanks again to Jeff Parker for chatting with us on the show. I am super, super jazzed about that book, and I can't wait to see who those secret characters he was referring to are. And he didn't tell us afterwards either, guys. We're not we're not holding out on it here. He he didn't tell us at all. So <laughs> we have to all wait together and find out. Um, so anyway, so last... Actually, not last show. Two months ago when we got together, we played a game called Pull, Pirate, or Pulp. We went through all the new titles DC was releasing, and we said if we were going to definitely buy them check them out, or not look at them at all. So what I have here is, guys, I have our responses from that little survey we played. So I'm going to read the book, I'm going to read what we said about it, and then let's talk about each of these titles. So we started with Batman Beyond. Um, both myself and Zach said so we were going to pirate it. Vince said he was going to pulp it. Did we all read this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have, have our votes changed? No. I just
1: no, can't not, I, I just can't with 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 Dan Jurgens anymore like it's <laughs> just I know where all the jokes are going to be I know that the the dialogue is going to be hokey and I'm just so ready to get out of the future's end whatever and into this new pool of new books so I my pulp stands
2: I'm still, I don't think I've changed either. Uh, I think I'm still pirate because, yeah, I read the issue and the dialogue was, you know, about as wonky as you'd expect. But it's just like everything about it, not everything about it, but like on the surface, it's exactly what I want. Like it's Batman Beyond. There's like some Kirby stuff. There's, you know, I like these characters. I like the artist.
0: Yeah, I, I love Bernard Chang.
2: It's just, like, it's all these pieces that would go together perfectly if there weren't just this one piece in the middle that, like, keeps it all from coming together. You know?
0: Yeah. I think I'm actually going over to Pulp, because my rationale is this. If the book gets canceled, Chang can do work elsewhere. <laughs> so, nice. that's my rationale. Uh, second was Cyborg, but that hasn't come out yet. And third was Dark Universe, which... Who knows if that's even a thing anymore? Uh, So we have to skip both of those. Um, Which brings us to Doomed. Uh, All three of us said pulp across the board.
2: Guys, I kind of liked that one.
0: I did. Just a little bit. I did. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. But it was just like, you know, this fun little riff on Spider Man in DC. And it wasn't bad.
0: I mean there were definitely grown worthy parts of it. Um I mean it's Lobdell, that's just kind of what you get with him, but it was certainly better than I thought it was going to be and that's the highest compliment I can give Scott Lobdell. Okay, did do you think do you know that
2: part in the issue where they're interviewing the roommates and there's the guy who comes out and says something like I, I was used big to in, be the in the 90s? 90s. Yeah. Or, or was that was that Lobdell? It kind of looked like him.
1: Yeah, I think that's what it was supposed to be. Okay. Was he wearing outrageous pink
0: sunglasses? He was wearing like a bucket hat and hit an earring. Oh. Um, did you read it, Vince, or no?
1: I didn't. I pulped it, so I
0: can't read through <laughs> the pulp. He stayed so. true. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, I bought it and I pulped. No, I would never read that. <laughs> uh, here, is one of, here is the only number one. No, that's not true. Here is one of the two number ones I did not read, and that's Harley Quinn Power Girl same i did read it
1: and it's the same feeling that i have uh from the ongoing harley series right now really it's it's fine for some people i'm sure but i just don't think it's all that funny and uh it's not for you it's not for me it's not for me i mean it looks nice but i just don't jive with it so Mm -hmm. uh red hood and arsenal that is the Dell book that I would say
0: is not as bad as it should have been. Oh, I hated every fucking ink See? stroke in that book. Okay. <laughs> really? Oh, I, God. I didn't. I didn't read that one. Oh, I, I read it today. And as I've said to you guys in the past, Roy Harper, third or fourth favorite comic character of all time. Yeah. I was getting, I I was seeing red and not because of their costumes. I was so (laughs) angry reading that book. Uh, And I'm not,
1: I'm still not going to read it. I would still say pulpit, but, but to me, it like wasn't offensively bad the way his Teen Titans were offensively bad.
4: Okay.
0: but
1: but but I have less of an attachment to the characters
0: than you do right right um, so my condolences that's all right I, I appreciate that thank you uh, starfire we um, I had said I was gonna pull it and you both said you were gonna pirate it I would uh, I would
1: stay the same on that because I, I read it and I liked it well enough. Um, that I'm gonna I'm gonna keep reading it, but it's on notice, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> and not for any bad reason. But again, it might be veering close to. It's just not for me, right? But but I liked it. I mean, I like that it's taking Starfire and it's refocusing her character in a way that's many times less offensive than it's <laughs> doing something.
0: Laws, it's yes, doing something.
2: Yeah, I I kind of had the same sentiment. Like, it's just not it's not for me, but it's not bad. It's it is
0: mm-hmm.
2: a very like good change in direction.
0: Yeah, I wanted to like it far more than I did, but it's not a bad comic. Again, it's just I I could see people out there really enjoying it. I am not, I don't particularly love it, but that's okay. It was it was fine. Uh, we are Robin. All three of us said pirate on this one. How do we feel better now?
2: I'm gonna pulp it I just it didn't do anything for me
1: um, this is we are Robin yeah, yeah um uh, I'm gonna pirate it, but it's like dangling on a thread above the pulper because <laughs> for similar reasons to that Zach said it just didn't do anything for like I read the premise and I think okay that's an interesting premise, and then I read the book and I'm like. Nothing really happened. I'm not sure. I'm the, not sure if there are any stakes here, and I know that that's why James, who wrote the review on Multiversity, liked it because they weren't immediately facing a villain or anything. But it just felt like the stakes were were nothing at this point.
0: Uh, the reason I'm keeping it in the pirate category is because I feel like, even more so than the eight-page preview, this was all just to get people on the same page. And so I wanna give it an issue or two of 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 actively trying to tell a story. And then I'll make a decision. Um Justice League of America. All three of us had pirate for this one. The Brian Hitch extravaganza.
1: <laughs> I'm pulping this, it. <laughs> this
2: is You can go ahead, Vince. I, I just found
1: I found it fantastically boring <laughs> and wordy. And, uh, and, and, and the art, the Brian Hitch art wasn't up to snuff in my
0: mind either. Well, did you see that he had someone assisting him on it? I, I didn't, uh, yeah. Um, I guess I didn't catch that. I actually have it right in front of me. Yeah. assist by Amado Turturro, mm. who I don't know the work of necessarily. So he had, it was him, this guy assisting, and then three inkers and two colorists. That's well, far too many but, people to be working on a book. It wasn't great, yeah. so... Well, see, I I kind of liked
2: it. Really? Uh, like, yeah, I mean, like, it's not, like, groundbreaking or anything at all, and it was just, I don't know, it was just kind of fun in the way... Um, see, I don't even really know how to describe it. It was just... It For one, it kind of felt like an event, which was fun, and it was just, I enjoy just how freed from continuity it was
1: um, I, I will give it that That I mean the fact that it really feels like they're just off in their own world mm-hmm. who knows when this people are trying to slot it between like Justice yeah. League 6 and 7 or something yeah. but the, it doesn't matter silly. yeah you I think that's kind of silly fuck. exactly
2: and that was the <laughs> yeah. thing I just kind of went into it and I was like it doesn't matter when this happened it's just a story and I can enjoy it at, at that if yeah. there was a wait for trade category, this would fall squarely in there.
0: Okay. He, because
2: I think when you get it in like a nice single edition, it could be it could be a lot of fun.
0: Um so um multiversity editor in chief emeritus Matthew Malikoff texted me the night this came out and was like, So Hitch's J L A is both the best and worst of superhero comics in one fell swoop, ain't it. And I was like, yeah, that's actually a really good way to put it. Like, you know, the stakes felt big, and it felt like an event a little bit, but then there were just some incredibly dumb stuff in there. You know, Parasite calling Wonder Woman bitch has no (laughs) purpose anyplace. Um, That's what your editor is there for. Yeah. To rein that in. But I guess, you know, Hitch is a big deal, so. Yeah. And also, like, to me, it was, like, nothing makes me matter than when superheroes are made to be idiots. Like, and The Flash, it takes him, like, three times of Parasite tapping into the Speed Force before he's like, oh, I shouldn't run because Parasite will tap into the Speed Force. Like, this is one of the Justice League. is one of the seven most powerful people on the planet, and he doesn't understand, like, what a vacuum is.
4: Like, it's just, (laughs) it
0: drives me batty. Um, I will say the idea of dead supermen kept showing up like keeping showing up that's that that idea was like oh wow i I, that's kind of an interesting idea and then i didn't love the way they executed it but i felt it was it was a halfway decent idea it is it is just barely hanging on the pirate list for me just barely um okay next up is bizarro which all three of us were gonna pull how do we feel about it now I I didn't like it very much.
2: I thought it was kind of hard to follow at times, and not just because of the bizarro speak. Um, I felt like the the pacing and the structure was a little strange. Um, Yeah, and and I also this and um, Batmite, which I know we'll get to here in a minute. Both kind of seemed like they were billed as all ages books that
0: weren't at all all ages
2: books, yeah. They weren't at all, <laughs> um, and so that was a little almost offensively
0: too. not all ages, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I would all, like, I really enjoyed the art, and I loved that little uh Sinkowitz page where Bizarro was dreaming. Well, that, that like, was the
0: best the, page. If yeah. the
2: whole book was like that, then that would be a different story, but yeah, this I, you know, this might drop all the way to pirate uh, pulp for me interesting
1: i'm i'm not effusive in my praise for it but i will say this um i'm i'm gonna keep pulling it but i think i'm gonna read it like 10 pages at a time instead of 20 (laughs) because interesting because that's about as much patience as i have for the style of bizarro speak and all that stuff Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I read it in like that eight page preview was just perfect. Yeah. But the, but then reading a, a 20 page story with some weird diversions about a car salesman or something, you know, if, if I took it in smaller chunks, I bet I would have liked it more. Um, so, so, you know, I, I probably in my heart, it's probably a pirate, but I'm going to be pulling it.
0: Okay. That's fair. I, I'm, I am over to pulp on this, um, only because I've sort of been on a soapbox lately about all-ages comics and how we need them, and this just flatly isn't that, and that's offensive to me. So, anyway. Uh, Next up is Batmite, which we all said we were going to pulp, and I am certainly continuing to pulp.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Again, I I like the way it looks. Um, I think the style is really cool, and and I think I mentioned last month that to me it kind of drew upon the visual style of the animated the batman animated series mm-hmm. and i really liked that like even the physicality of batman beating up crooks it just like hit that spot for me but it's so unfunny <laughs> you know like it's just i can't read batmite for more than a couple pages without groaning my throat out you know
0: that was a book it took me three different times to finish it yeah, and the i don't think i even did zach yeah i i mean i
2: i read to get i you already you guys had spoiled uh i you know spoiled the <laughs> the end reveal already for me, and uh-huh. so i i read to get to that to see what that was about mm-hmm. and then that was just... Disapp- i mean you know it wasn't anything <laughs> yeah. it was nothing i you know it's a whole lot of nothing. It was a whole lot of nothing, and yeah, this even even more so than uh, Bizarro kind of just completely squandered any like premise of All Ages. Um, yeah, it was no. I'm still pulp.
0: All right. Next up is Black Canary, which we were all very excited about pulling. I know Zach was not as I'm sorry. No, Vince was not as big a fan of this as he thought it was going to be.
1: Yeah, I, I expected this book. I mean, by all rights, um, Annie Wu on art and uh, uh, Brendan Fletcher has pretty much been pitching a perfect game at DC for me up until now, and so I expected it to come in and sweep me right off my feet. You know, <laughs> like like perfect, ten out of ten. And it ended up more like I, like I read it and I'm like this is like a seven, you know, it's, it's very good, but I, and normally I'm not such a continuity, like normally continuity matters like an iota to me, but I'm reading it and I'm like, how did we get to this point? You know, like what is she doing traveling around in a rock band and why? She was and in nor- the
0: goddamn justice league.
1: Right. <laughs> like, and, no, and normally Don't people those- recognize her? <laughs> Normally, those questions don't bother me at all. But for some reason, just getting thrown into this, it felt a lot more forced than any of the other sort of revivals that have been going on at DC, even though it's like exactly my style. So I'm, I'm kind of baffled by it. I'm going to keep pulling it. I don't dislike it. I liked it. I was entertained by it, but I was not swept off my feet.
0: Zach, what say you?
2: Yeah, I you know visually it was awesome that um, that fight sequence towards the end where it was you know no no words just just the art was fantastic. Um, it flowed really well. That was awesome, but it it seemed like once they started talking, it got a little mm-hmm. bit more verbose. Um, and you know there was that disconnect like, that Vince mentioned, like um, you know, just I guess where was she before this? Was it Birds of Prey? Was that the last place? I mean, besides uh, Batgirl, before I Batgirl, so, yeah, Birds of Prey. And so yeah, like just the the dissonance between that and this, as someone who's been following DC, is kind of hard to wrap my head around. Um, but it, I mean, it's definitely. Not what I expected, not quite. I mean, there's obviously that, there's, you know, the rock band vibe and all that, but now there's, like, aliens and weird shadow things, and that's cool. I'm into that. Those are, like, two great things, but I just don't really know how it's going to come together yet.
0: Yeah, I I have less of a problem with those things than I guess you guys do, and it's funny because I would say of the three of us, I might be the most of a continuity guy. Um, but I, I feel like, to me, Black Canary is a character that, to me, to me has not worked in the New 52 particularly well. And so, to start over, doesn't offend me too much. Um, I, I do think it was a little bit uh, weirdly worded in places. I think the art was definitely better than the writing. But it has me interested. I'm going to keep reading it. Uh, I don't have... I don't have too much of an issue with it, um, so I'm I'm still in the pull category for that. So I I went back and I read the first issue
1: of uh, Brendan Fletcher's and, and uh, Cameron Stewart's Batgirl, mm-hmm. and it just struck me how packed full that book was, and how how it flowed, and how it felt fresh and just right. and And I compared it to. Black Canary and I don't know, Black Canary just felt sloppier. You know, it felt like Batgirl was completely thought through from beginning to end and Black Canary is just like flying by the seat of its pants right now.
0: I I could I could potentially bullshit an excuse here where I'll say that, well she's torn the country into punk bands, she is flying by the seat of her pants, and the book <laughs> reflects that, but I don't really believe that. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it doesn't feel like it. I don't know. Like, I should love this book more than I do, and I'm struggling with it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's fair. <laughs> I That's want fair. to love it, and you still might. You know, who knows? Yeah. Uh, how how everything's going to shake out? Um, okay. Next on our list was Constantine the Hellblazer. Um, I love this book. I, I I I am very excited about it.
2: I I didn't like it very much. Really? Yeah. It, um, I I had trouble getting through it. I almost didn't finish it the first time through um, because I just kind of felt like it meandered a little bit. It, it, I don't know. I mean, I loved the art and the design. The style was great, but the story just didn't grab me at all.
1: Vince, be the tiebreaker here. I'm going to side with Zach. Wow! Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. I, I like the art. I think it's the I think it's the cleanest. Riley Rosmo's art has looked. Yeah, which, um, which, which, I loved his style before, and this isn't necessarily like just because it's cleaner doesn't mean it's better.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: But I, I don't. I guess I, I liked it. I liked it more than I've liked his art in the past, personally, from a personal taste standpoint. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of difficult to get through this first issue. I, I don't know whether I was like burnt out on all these different books and it just didn't land with me or, or whether it really is as kind of dull as I found it to be. Um, and also there was like a, there was like totally a sex scene in there <laughs> where, yeah. where yeah. like, like he's totally penetrating her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That really weirded me out in a comic that, like, had no warning on it.
0: <laughs> as far as... <laughs> warning, penetration inside. <laughs> like, like, yeah,
1: really, I mean... <laughs> Not that that has anything to do with anything, but... No,
0: I, but I, I understand. I, I guess, to me, it was just, I was so down on the past Constantine series uh, that I felt like this was a really refreshing... To me, this felt like the character from Hellblazer as as seamlessly integrated into current DC as they could do it without tripping over their dicks the whole time. You know, like it, you have to cut some corners, and I understand that. And this felt like the best version of that. I thought I thought it was playful, and I thought it was it was fun. Um, I could see the shtick getting old. I'll say that, but. In that first issue, I really did enjoy it. Um, interesting. Okay. Uh, Dr. Fate.
1: I am pulling this one so hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, me I, too. I, I, I will say this. If you somehow did not read the preview for this, you're fucked. Like, I don't know if I agree with that. It It puts you in a place where I feel like... If you didn't read the preview, you had a lot of catching up to do.
2: Yeah, I don't I wouldn't say it's you're you're just completely completely lost, but it definitely you definitely miss out on something by not reading the preview. <clears throat> you come in with a major handicap, I think.
0: Um that that issue though, I think once you get past that was was a pretty great comic. Yeah, yeah. It, was. yeah. it was. It was
2: definitely. I I haven't really, uh, you know, I haven't made out a list or anything, which I guess I should do. I love doing that kind of thing, but I feel like it would land in my top three of the new books. Oh, for sure. Uh,
0: I think it would just miss my top three, but it would certainly be in my top five. We should do our top three threes by the end of this. Yeah, we should. Okay, I'll start thinking. Granted yeah. that cyborg is not out yet, but yeah. But yeah. That's okay, we
1: can. Because well, i I feel like that might that has the chance to make it for me.
0: Yeah, it does. But you know, it, it's also one of those things where I feel like it could either be my favorite book of the month or it could be such a fucking snore if I never think about it again. Um, <laughs> like Constantine. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, um, Earth Two Society.
1: I I didn't read it. I'm I'm done. I, we've talked about this. Yeah, so I'm done. you are done. It. I'm done. I'm out.
0: I,
2: I said See, I was hiring, re-
0: and then I thought it was okay.
2: I, I was really high on this one from the sneak peek. I really liked the sneak peek a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like the first issue w- was like more in line with World's End. Not quite on that level. It was somewhere in between for me. Um, I think focusing it on uh, the Batman the whole time, or f- for most of the time, and then also there was the you know kind of the exposition, he catch everybody up thing. That kind of hurt it. I'm I'm gonna. I don't know what I said last time. You, you said uh, pirate. Okay, I'm gonna stick with that.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'll give it one more issue, but I was not particularly high on the issue myself. Yeah. Um, Green Lantern lost army. All three of us said pirate. Um, I. I thought it was a stronger issue than, so I, I had fallen behind on a bunch of these because there's only so many comics I can read in a week and still keep my brain. And uh, I, so I had just read this a couple days ago, and I had read not great things about it, but I enjoyed it more than those reviews. Do I think it's a great comic? No, I don't. But I think it has, I think it has some potential. It's, it stays firmly in the pirate category for me.
1: Yeah, it's a perfectly acceptable comic. I think is
0: the way that I put
1: it. Um, if if you want to read a Green Lantern book, you're not going to be, like, bummed or offended by it. But also, you're not going to find anything in it that you haven't seen before. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, just...
4: I think. Go ahead,
2: Zach. Oh, I was just going to say, I think more so than Dr. Fate, this is the book where if you hadn't read the preview, you were just, like... You get in there and you are like, what? what what's Corona doing here? What, what is this? What is going on? Besides the fact that they're just like thrown in somewhere from the beginning and you have no idea what's going on, there are just all these other factors that you just have no context for. Um, Corona's like a hunk now, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, Good on you. To uh, to to peel back the curtain just a tad bit here on sort of the things that we do to prepare for this show, we were talking about. Um, about this book ahead of time and just talking about these books in general. And we were saying how for, for all of us, we felt like the last month or so pre-convergence, we all kind of dropped off a lot of books because we were covering the weeklies and getting set for convergence and talking about starting this podcast up and we just fell off books. And somehow it got in my mind that Kilowog was dead and so when I saw him here, I'm like, oh, I thought that guy was dead. I was very confused, and that just shows you how, to me, unremarkable the Lantern books have been, the last six months to a year. Like I, I actually thought when Jeff Johns left, the first six months were really strong after he left. Um, you had Hal as the leader of the of the of the Green Lantern Corps. You had Kyle off, presumed dead, being a White Lantern. You had Guy as the Red Lantern. I thought that stuff was all pretty good, but then it all got real, real dull. And while this is a, a perfectly cromulent Green, Lan- Green Lantern book, <laughs> it's just a uh, there, there's nothing here that is really exciting me yet. It doesn't
1: embiggen your desire to read it. No, it does not. Yeah,
2: and you know, it's not even. I was really excited about Jesus Saez's Sae Saez. Sa- How do you say his name? Jesus Saez Saez. I was really excited about him being on the book and I don't e- I don't necessarily think that this is um some of his best work either at least comparing it to like the more recent run on Swamp Thing maybe or like that Justice League issue that we always talk about
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um so I agree uh up next is the triple pulped Justice League 3001 <laughs> <laughs> guys
2: this is an I kind of like this one a little bit. I
0: didn't read it. I didn't read it, but Zach okay. sell us on it. Okay, so well, like, James loved it. <laughs> okay, James I, Johnston loved it.
2: I had. I didn't read any of Justice League three. I take it, I read the first issue of Justice League three thousand. So I came into this. And I had no idea what was going on. Um, like everybody, people, they're they're like clones, but they're not clones. They're like uh, it's the weirdest thing. You, they're like the old the d dna of the old justice league grafted onto these like blank slates basically but then there are like other characters like ice and and fire and um like booster and blue beetle who from, like the original ones who were there and there's just all this weird wacky stuff and there's like a legion vibe and you know the dialogue is weird sometimes like you would expect from a giffen dematis Demateus uh comic but it's just so weird and the art is pretty good and i I like read it and it made me want to go back and read 3000 to like understand things and see what i had missed and that's like pretty i feel like that's pretty big praise
0: yeah uh, for for a book to like
2: make me want to go back and read something i was totally not interested in
0: I mean, I um, haven't liked the De Matteis comic since the Reagan administration, <laughs> so yes. I can't imagine digging this. But you've kind of made me want to go read it.
2: Well, and the the last page reveal is really good. Uh, I mean, like it. I was
1: like, okay, I want to see where this goes. I, so I don't
0: care about being spoiled. Uh, Vince, do you care?
1: No, I don't care. But tell me this first. Are all the characters in this comic still screaming at one another all the time? <laughs> Not really. Now okay. they're kind of
2: like they have this like uneasy friendship. And that's they're also kind of like really angsty, especially Batman. Okay, um, which you know isn't he's more Sounds angsty right? than usual. Um, but yeah, do you want me to spoil the ending? Yes. Yeah. yeah was, uh, if, okay. If you so, you
0: want to read it? Then yes.
2: Okay, so, yeah, so the the issue, um, it's like the start of a story arc with Starro. He's, like, taken over a planet, which, side note, looks like it has a lot of Legion of Superheroes characters on it. Um, but anyway, um, so the Justice League's all on this planet, and the issue ends with this probe thing coming in space, like, towards that planet, um, saying, like, tracking... Um, Superman's, I guess, you know, like biomarkers or whatever and the reveal is that it's the um, it, what looks like it's a Supergirl and it looks kind of like I don't I thought it was the Matrix Supergirl but maybe it's not, I don't know, it's a Supergirl though, um, who is like in stasis tracking Superman um, which just Coming off of Giffen's uh, Convergence Mm
4: -hmm.
2: book, the Supergirl one, really um, had me kind of excited.
0: Huh. I'm going to have to read it now. God damn you. I'm going to have to read a Giffen de Mateus book. (laughs) Well, if you don't
2: enjoy it, I'll, I'll take the blame. Okay, cool.
0: That's fair. But,
2: yeah, I'd be interested to hear what you think about it.
0: All right. That's my homework for next month. Um, all right. Martian Manhunter. Uh, I had pirated it because Ben Oliver was supposed to be the artist and then wasn't. And then uh, Vince also pirated it and Zach pulled it. Um, I really love this book. This was maybe my favorite of the whole month.
1: Yeah. It was maybe – it was my one or two, definitely. No? Yeah. I, I liked it a lot too, and I didn't miss Ben Oliver as much as I thought I would because Same here. the art was great too.
0: Yeah, Eddie Barrows, this is the best book he's ever done, in my
1: opinion. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, I would say that. Did um, Did anybody else get kind of a Dial H vibe, especially from that uh, the the Mister Biscuits <laughs>
1: character? Yeah, I didn't, but now that you say that, yeah,
0: that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, what I loved about it was, at first I in the preview. I chalked it up to shitty art, but I have come around on this. I love how John's head is never the same in any two panels. Oh, yeah. And, like, they really played up the shape-shifting part of it. I thought it was just inconsistency in that preview, but now that you see it over the course of an issue, like, oh, no, his head is just always kind of changing, and that's great. It Mm -hmm. felt like a Vertigo book to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great call. Great call, Vinci. I like that. All right. Um, Midnighter. Uh... The reverse of last time. Zach said pirate, and the two of us said pole. Yeah,
1: I uh, and I loved it. This would be my number one, for sure. Out of the out of the DCU initiative, um, I thought everything about it was great. You know, there, it was one of those comics where not a single panel was wasted, and you it it felt like you just breezed through it, and everything was perfect. At least to me, that's how it felt. Uh, I thought the art was great, dynamic, detailed. Um, I love some of the seedier details that that um, threw in there. Um, I thought it was funny in like a dark way. I think Orlando has a perfect take on a character that I could otherwise give a shit about. Um, yeah, it it was spectacular. I thought.
0: I agree.
2: Yeah, I I go up to pole on this definitely. It's the to me it's the closest we've come to like that Ellis Millar era authority, just in terms of like tone and style. Like that opening sequence with the doors popping up, and just that scene where uh, I guess is it the Gardener is that the character's name gets like shunted into space, and there's that full page where she's just floating in space. Like, that was just all so well-paced and and presented. I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was just a great-looking comic. I think I would probably say it was my favorite issue artistically.
0: Wow. it's high praise. Um, Mystic U was next, but that has not come out. Uh, or have anything talked about with it. Yeah. Um, the Omega Man was next. All three of us said we're going to pull it. Um... I really liked it. I, and it's interesting. I had to review this for multiversity and my first read through I was like, "Huh. That's okay." But the more I read it, the more I really really came around on it and I really enjoyed that book.
2: Yeah, I yeah. think this was my number one. Um, I I love this book.
1: Just everything about it. So, I'm I'm going to admit that um I'm not, I'm not above admitting that the first time I read it, I was totally lost. I was like, "What just happened?" You know, mm-hmm. and I think it was only because I expected the preview. I expected it to follow the 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 way the preview was written and presented more than it ended up doing that. And whereas the preview was very straightforward, the nine panel grids, mm-hmm. um, and then they give you this this aftermath of that which is like written 50 percent written in this alien language that has no interpretation yeah and i'm just like what i think i was just reading it at the wrong time um so i reread it uh taking your review in mind and uh and i liked it more but i'm not head over heels for it yet that's fair I just don't think I'm like connecting with it on an intellectual level.
0: you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the first scene of a new hope with this like attack on the spaceship, and just you're getting and you to have another, no idea yeah you're, I, you're kind of thrown into this world, you don't really know the characters yet, and by the end of the issue, you care about them
2: it is I did see a lot of Star Wars comparisons mm-hmm. and i I didn't quite get that the first time through, maybe just because it's a little bit darker, yeah. Than Star Wars, um, but no, I definitely when you when you put it that way, I definitely can see it. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. But like you said, Vince, it, half the comic was in a language that we couldn't understand, and then the other half was just characters saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> and yet it still managed to tell a really interesting story.
0: Yeah, I think that this is one of those books that if it can continue on past issue six or eight, we're going to see really interesting things happening in this yeah. book. It yeah. just needs to get past that well, first I think, hurdle.
2: I think I read somewhere in an interview King say something about how he had 12 issues plotted out mm-hmm. and where it goes after that kind of remains to be seen. But
0: he Didn't DO say everything's getting 12 issues? Maybe he did, I don't know. I think he said that, but I could be wrong. Okay. I could be wrong. Uh, up next is Prez number one. Um, I think all, all of us, have, so we're going to pull this one. All of us, I think, were enamored before the preview. And then I didn't love the preview. But I loved the issue.
1: Yeah,
0: I loved them both.
2: Yeah, I yeah. think I was a little bit more lukewarm on the preview, but definitely I enjoyed this issue a lot. Trench a lot of guys. <laughs> Trench a lot. It's just You get so much more of that cuz I think the thing with the preview was um just adjusting your expectations. Yeah, probably.
1: So <laughs> I I I'm head over heels for this book, but why is it a DC Comics comic book?
0: Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> why Why does it exist? I mean, I I think the short answer here is I think this was probably pitched as a Vertigo series. Okay. And then somebody realized, oh, we had a book called, DC had a book called Prez in 1973 or whatever it was. <laughs> we can use this as uh, as a way to edge up our... Our regular offering for a little bit, because this is this is a vertigo comic, if anything.
1: Yeah, but maybe yeah, and it's a way to keep because the, don't they have to like if they don't publish a comic with the name Prez, then then they lose the rights to it or something like Probably, that. Probably you know? yeah, but yeah. but like I read this and I'm like what. <laughs> what world does this take place in?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't I don't know if this is gonna connect with anything else, which is fine by me. I'm not yeah. asking for connections, but this is a twelve issue miniseries that seemingly has no ties to the DC universe. Well, it takes f- place in the future.
1: The one thing I read is that there's a
0: businessman named Wayne, who's not Bruce Wayne, but it's
1: some descendant, okay. like some future descendant. Uh, but isn't this only like
0: 15 years in the future or something?
1: Well, I okay, yeah. I, I guess I don't remember the year, but I read an interview where they said there's a Wayne. It's okay. supposed to be, you know, a, there's a billionaire named Wayne. It's it's a nod to Bruce Wayne. Okay. Who knows whether it's in any universe or not. Right. That's the beautiful thing about this. Apparently DC doesn't care. Yeah, which is great. And, and I wish that it would happen more often. Now, okay, there needs to be like, 10 or 20 books that follow a strong continuity narrative arc because inevitably there's going to be the, the yearly event that needs to take place. Right. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: But, but I wish, I mean, why is there only one book like press? Yeah. That, that absolutely has no business being published by this company. You know, there should be, there should be five or, or whatever. I mean, I guess if it does well, there will be, but
0: yeah, and I was going to say, I feel like in some ways it's it's almost more fun to say like um, a book like Dr. Fate, which right now, again, is an island within DC. It's almost more fun to make that book feature a character that could cross over versus to have a character that has no business crossing over. But still yeah. have it be just as unique. That's fair. Uh, we're getting down to the last two here, guys. Uh, Robin, Son of Batman. We had all said we were going to pull it. Um, I liked this book. I don't know if I love this book. Yeah. Same.
1: I, I'm not crazy about it. The, I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say Pulpit, but I'm, I'm probably not going to read anymore. Um, pulping, it's a little harsh for a book that I don't... There's nothing I actively dislike about it, but It is a clear step down from Batman and Robin Yeah, that I I just can't. It's not what I want to read Damien in. Agreed. I I want to read him in a Batman and Robin setting, preferably written by Pete Tomasi.
0: Yeah. Um, Although I will say it was kind of ballsy to end the issue with him entering something that's going to keep him off the table for a year.
1: Yeah, but you know what? Not many other writers seem interested in doing anything with him. That's true.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, but isn't he in Gotham Academy too, though?
0: That is true. No, but he, he was expelled at the end of the first issue. Okay, I I hadn't read the issue oh, yeah. yet. Sorry. I, I just knew he was on the cover. Spoiler alert. He's All right. in the first issue. Um, and last but not least, All-Star Section 8. I said I was going to pirate it. You guys said you were going to pull it. Uh, what did you think?
1: I thought it was funny. I thought it was it was great. It was um, it felt like it was from another time, which mm-hmm. you know clearly it's an extension of something that very much is from another time, and and in that way it felt right to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I always liked Hitman. It was never my favorite thing in the world, and I feel the same way about this. So I'm going to continue to pull it because I support the idea of publishing more comics like it, and uh, and. And I chuckled. I had a sensible chuckle at this one.
0: To me, this was the most intentionally funny book of the week, of the month, rather. Mm-hmm. Like, um, the, uh, the allusions to um, both Nightfall and Death of, the Family, Death of the Family, with some of the visuals, I thought, but Batman, that were very funny. I thought there was a lot of good humor in there. Uh, is this going to set my world on fire? Absolutely not. But it, it's fun. Yeah. To me that's the beauty of this whole month of reading comics is that like when I was reading the new 52 when it first came out I felt like everything was taking place in this universe that was a less interesting version of the universe I left the month before. I feel the opposite now. I feel like all these books are taking place in in a way where you almost can't explain that they're all put together. And that's so much fun. This isn't real life. This is comic books and I like they're embracing it. I couldn't I agree. say it any better. Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk a little bit for a second here about the uh, the Superman books because uh, Zach wanted to talk about these, and I I have a bone to pick with these books. I have enjoyed just about every issue that has had Superman on the title, in the title so far, uh, as well as I love the Action Comics. But can anybody in their right mind explain to me? Why the Superman proper book is taking place so far before the other books.
2: I think that's the problem with this whole truth storyline is just how none of it lines up. Like you get the first week we got action comics. Which references
0: something that happens the next month in Superman.
2: Yes, in Superman 42. Yeah. Which by the time that comes out, that will be two months, almost two months later. Yeah. Because of how the shipping schedule works. Um which is really weird. I don't know. What do you think, Benz? I,
1: I, I got to be honest. I didn't mind that at all. I okay. almost read it. I don't I, I don't think it was intentional, but I almost read it as if it were. Like when I picked up Superman um, a couple weeks ago or last week or whenever it was, uh, I just said, oh, okay, we're going to see the story of how we got to this point. And I didn't feel like there was anything... Like, sometimes in comics, when things are released out of order, things are spoiled for you before they should have been. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel that with this. So it felt more like a... I read it more like a Tarantino-esque anachronism
4: Mm -hmm.
1: rather than a fuck-up. Right. Well,
2: yeah, and I guess, you know, it didn't necessarily bother me me so much, like, in my enjoyment of it, but I when I see those kinds of editor's notes, my initial thought is how are other people going to perceive this? Maybe yeah. people who aren't um, as in the know, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, it's just weird that that's kind of supposed to be a new jumping on point, And that's how they present it.
1: Yeah, it's Superman's just... wearing red underwear in this one and he's not wearing it in the other one. What the hell?
0: Yeah. It just, it just seems to me like this is, this is the problem with relaunches, is that sometimes you have to do things in an order that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Like, if if there wasn't a relaunch, and you could have let Superman, the next two or three issues, set this storyline up, well, then in September or October, you can start the rest of the books on this storyline. But because everything's relaunching, and we have to be big with all of this, everybody has to start with Superman in the same place. Mm-hmm and because of that we're getting a story that to me it's again, it didn't hinder my enjoyment it just seems dumb it right. just it just seems like there's no reason to have done it this way
2: well i do i do think that the best thing is that having read the four issues you're not required to have done that in order to enjoy the story right. because yes. it it's everything is still staying kind of within the confines of its own book and so yes. if you don't want to read,
1: say, Superman, Batman, or Batman, Superman, whatever, you don't have to. That's the point that I was going to make, which is that like, normally when these happen in the Superman family books, it's like action is issue one, Superman is issue two, Superman, Batman is issue three, and so on. Right. But in this, it felt like, okay, if you want to read a Superman book that tells the story of how we got to this point in the very same storyline... You can go over and read that book. If you want to keep reading Action Comics, that's going to follow the same thread a little bit further in time. You can do that here. You know, it's all the same story, but you don't have to pick up four books to get it all. Right. I mean, do you think that's fair? I think that's
2: yeah. I think that's awesome. I think it's fair, yeah. and I think that's really good um, on them for kind of structuring it like that.
0: It still seems, to, again, it didn't hinder my enjoyment. It's just my whole point is that I don't understand why you would choose to do it this way. It's mm-hmm. okay that it happened this way, but with all things equal, they shouldn't have set it up this way. That's, I guess that's my bigger point. Right. Especially because, I think we can all agree, the super books haven't been this good in a long time.
2: Yes, this is this is awesome. When the worst book... In the line, in my opinion, um, is the Batman Superman one, which I could, like, at worst describe as, you know, just okay, mm-hmm. then that's saying something compared to where the Batman Superman books have been in the past couple of years.
0: Yeah. I uh, I particularly enjoyed Superman Wonder Woman. And yeah. I am not particularly a fan of those two being paired off that way. Mm-hmm but I thought it was very sweet, actually.
2: Yeah, it it, it, it was well-written. Tomasi is a really solid writer. Monkey, um, you know, what kind of monkey you get depends on who is inking him. Yep. Um, but I thought that his work in this issue was really good um, because when he's on, I feel like he's really on. And, yeah, each book has something unique and kind of special about it that gives you a reason to seek it out. Um,
0: yeah, I'm I'm really excited about these. Um, you know, I think my I think your enjoyment of Superman is going to come down to how much of a John Ramita fan you are, because you know he just Ramita's all over the place. The whole time, <laughs> he does. You know. he does. And if you if you dig that, great. If you don't, I understand why you would maybe check out. You know, I think Aaron Cooter can do almost no wrong in this world. Mm-hmm. You know, he is just great. Oh, man. That that issue, Vince, I think you maybe
2: were a little bit more lukewarm on it, but it gave me all kinds of feels
1: that <laughs> issue did. Like, I was, my, oh, man. My only problem with it was that, like, every couple pages or so, they had to make sure that Superman said, like, damn or ass. Or yeah, hell. I agree I with that. that. I didn't like that part of it. Yeah, verdict. I agree with that as well. <laughs> Which, I'm not, like, okay, I'm talking about, like, sex and Constantine and, like, swears in Superman, like I'm some sort of prude or something. (laughs) Which I'm totally not. It just felt, like, for Superman, it felt out of character to have him stomping around going, like, swinging dick style all over. (laughs) Yeah.
4: Yeah. You know,
1: like, and I feel like they do that every once in a while with Superman. Like, how how are we going to get the public to embrace Superman again? Well, let's give him a buzz cut and make him say, damn, you know, whereas, like,
0: whereas like in Superman, you see Perry, Jimmy, Lois, and Clark toasting, and you think they're drinking beer, but no, it's Clark's favorite root beer. That's <laughs> perfect. Like, that yes. is absolutely perfect. There's no reason to make that beer. The fact that right. Clark would choose root beer is, is perfect. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um,
1: but other than that, yeah, I mean, every... Everything else about action has been great so far, um, especially the art. Cooter is one of my favorites right now, so I'm thrilled about that. But
0: just and, you know, he did things. he did that fantastic parasite story during Villains Month. Villains Month, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what was he writing pre-convergence? Uh, Superboy.
2: Yeah, I think that was that was pre-Villains Month before. actually. It was pre I'm sorry, um, pre Futures pre month. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, Which I, that was really enjoyable too. I I thought as yeah. far as you know, Superboy went at the time.
0: Yeah. What I think you have to do with writer artists, unfortunately, is you have to pull them off a book for six months before launching a writer art- artist book. Mm-hmm. So like uh, that would mean he'd have to leave action to write something else. Well, and but would, he's
2: co-writing action now, which is awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I, I would love to see him do something else in the future, just you know, uh, on his mm-hmm. own because he is he is the best. Um, any other super thoughts before we move on to the Bat books? Mm, no,
2: think so. I'm I'm really happy with them though.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, the Bat books this month brought Jim Gordon as Batman into the forefront. Uh we had him appear in Batman Detective, Batman, Superman, uh Batgirl. Is that it? I think it was in terms of the Bat books?
2: I think that's that all. That Jim
0: Gordon appeared in. Um, you know, we had obviously spoken with Scott Snyder at length last time about Gordon as Batman. But now that we've seen it across a few titles, what did you guys think of Gordon as Batman?
1: I think it's great. I think it's um uh... I think it's fun anytime you leave um, leave a major character uh, out of his traditional cowl for a period of time, and I think Gordon's a suitable replacement. And I think it'll be fun to follow him for a few months or a year, however long it lasts. Um, uh, I think he's the best choice right now, too, considering his popularity coming off of the Nolan movies and with. Uh, Gotham on Fox. Um, I think all around this this is a pretty cool experiment on DC's part and Scott Snyder's part.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll agree with that. Um, I I I was struck in Batgirl at how different of a Batman he is going to be. For some reason, that hit me more in Batgirl than the other issues. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I thought, oh, that that's really interesting, and it's going to be interesting to see the Bat family rebelling against Batman, and I know this can be a dirty word among uh, comics fans, it almost reminded me of when Azrael was Batman. (laughs) Because that was one time when the family and Batman were not at all in sync. And what I thought was so fun about when Dick Grayson was Batman was how much more in sync the family was. Like, it it showed you how much he cared about everybody else and, and his... His uh, relate, his put in the relationships with the family above almost everything else. So, I think completely removing those relationships is an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach, what do you think about all this?
2: Well, I, you know, I don't know how. I never put like two and two together coming into this, but the thought never crossed my line once in all of this that Batgirl's dad is the new Batman. <laughs> I never thought about that at all, and like that dynamic is really interesting. Um, and I, you know, I am really excited to see that play out a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, you know, so far I've enjoyed it. I love the first issue of Batman. Um, I didn't read Detective Comics. I was really high on that sneak peek. Um, I was a little disappointed that... Uh, to find out that Manapul wasn't on the art for the first issue. And it, I, I presume for the following issues too. I, I yeah, believe
0: I, I, I think this arc is not him on art. Yeah.
2: Which was a, a little disappointing um, for me. Nothing against uh, Fernando Blanco at all. Um, I, I just felt like. And, and Blanco does settled. an okay
0: job. It's just, it's different.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't what I was expecting as well. Yeah. Um, but, and Batman and Superman. I think was okay. Um, like I said earlier, you know, it it didn't have a lot to it. No, what um, I liked
0: about that was that it showed the Clark and Bruce friendship in yeah. an interesting way that the New Fifty Two has been remiss to do. Mm-hmm. So I like that part of it.
2: No, but yeah, I'm. You know, I loved. Um, the first issue of Batman, and I'm I'm really excited to see where this goes.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, uh, before we get into our last topics, real quickly, let's do those that top three or top five list we had talked about before, your favorites of the month, and uh, is anybody ready to go? I, I can I'm, start, I think, if, if need be. I'm ready. Oh, then Vince, you by all means go ahead.
1: Midnighter, number one. Prez, number two, Dr. Fate,
2: number three. Zach? Um, Omega Man, number one, Martian Manhunter, number two, and probably, it's close between Prez and Dr. Fate, but I think Prez edges out a little bit for, top, for number three.
0: Uh, Martian Manhunter, number one, Omega Man, number two, Midnighter, number three. Let me say, I'm not mad at any of your lists, though. Like, you know, I I think we're all in the... I think here's the thing. Most things in life are a bell curve, right? You get 10 good, 10 bad, and the rest are in the middle. And I Mm -hmm. think that this line is very similar to that. I, I think we can all agree on sort of what the 10 or 15 best comics are. Mhm. Uh, I don't think there's any much of a question there. I think some of us have, you know, you'll see our various biases or interests bring us up to what's what's an okay comic. But I think all of us are pretty much in alignment with what's really good right now. And I have to say, I can't remember the the last time that the line was as strong top to bottom.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And, and you know
0: what? E- I might even say, like, free Flashpoint?
2: Yeah, I mean, because I, th- I think we do look at, like, that that year leading up to Flashpoint with kind of some rose-colored glasses, because you think about, like, the state of the Superman books at that point. Yeah. Um, Brightest Day didn't necessarily end on the best, you know, right. turn. Uh, Batman Inc. was kind of sputtering along a little bit, spinning its wheels a bit. Um, there were there were already signs of a bit of trouble. Oh yeah, leading up to Flashpoint. But and I, so I, I was,
1: was. I will stick up oh, for. I will stick up for the Green Lantern, Flash, and Batman books pre-Flashpoint any day, especially oh, Green yeah. Lantern and clear. Flash which yeah and i still i still
2: love batman inc um it was just a bit you know there were lots of delays yeah there was
1: there was that digital issue that issue that was like digitally rendered or like 3d rendered that was like Mm -hmm. i got what he was going for but it just looked like trash yeah Mm. and that really i mean i felt like that was like because didn't we also wait for that issue too? Wasn't it delayed? Yeah, And then it
2: yeah. showed yeah. And up. That and that was the like... last
0: that was the last
2: issue of
1: the
0: oh. new, of
2: the pre of pre flashpoint. Because yeah. then they
0: came out with that oversized sort of roundup issue. Like yeah, Cameron know, the, Stewart and it bridged the gap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um I mean I will say that had my favorite you know, that had some great stuff though. That had the that era of books had the Scott Snyder writing Dick Grayson Batman the black That's mirror true. Which that was, was huge. which is the best yes um, the green lantern books were were perfect at that point um, you also had i know not a lot of people are big fans of this and i'm not talking about cry for justice but the james robinson JLA oh run after that? I loved that book. So I re- much. me too. Um I mean obviously I'm I'm a James Robinson apologist <laughs> to the highest order, but you know, I thought the team he put together for that was great. I loved Red Robin at that time. Oh yeah. Um, that was a really really strong book. Yeah, you know, there was a lot To me that just that felt like that felt like the DC universe was so wide and so big. That even though some stuff was suffering, there was enough really good stuff out there that you felt like, okay, these are still DC Comics. And I really miss that feeling. And this is the first time I felt that way now. Like, Justice League United, to me, is the perfect example of this. This book could not have been imagined as part of the first three years of the New
1: 52. Yeah. No, not at all. Even though it draws upon a lot of the characters that were used in the first three years, right? I mean, but it's,
0: it's just different, though. It's right, just, yeah.
1: But it's like the, the, all these like Justice League Dark and Demon Knights, char- you know, like like all these characters we've seen them elsewhere, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just exciting ex- It's exciting to get them all in one place, uh, for a reason that doesn't involve like. Um, going up its own ass with like a, a, a an event like Arkham War or all that stuff, you know. Like right. It, this is an ongoing title that's going to feature all these Bug Nuts teams, and, and I'm really looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Be back in just a second. A big thanks to Eddie Argos and Art Brute for the use of their track DC Comics and Chocolate Milkshake as our theme music. Make sure to check out at Eddie Argos on Twitter for all sorts of information about the wonderful musician and tour that is Mr. Argos. I'm in love with the girl in my shop. She's a girl that likes comics.
4: She probably gets a Okay, we
0: are back with our final topic of the night. Uh, we're going to talk about the just announced, I guess not even really announced yet, it was leaked today, all the books in the all-new, all-different Marvel relaunch that is happening come October. And uh, we were talking before recording tonight about how, for some reason, and, and we know we're DC guys, we know this is the DC3 cast, we hear you, but none of us are Marvel haters, and I think all of us root for good comics in general. But for some reason, this relaunch just feels so stale, and to use a term that Vince used earlier, warmed over. Whereas the DCU thing that that we just are finishing up now, not finishing up, but, you know, the first month is over now, uh, felt so fresh and different. And I, I think the big question is why? Both are coming out of these sort of universe-slash-timeline-changing events. Both feature a lot of new creators, or, or at least a lot of creators shuffling around. Um, why does the Marvel event feel so much more stale?
1: Well, I'm going to start off with with, uh, with something that's superficial, and then we'll get a little bit deeper into the, the books themselves. But let's look across the board at the creative talents that they put on these new Marvel titles versus the ones that are coming out with the DCU line, okay? Um, is there anyone on these Marvel relaunch titles that you can think of off the top of your head that has not worked at Marvel or D C before on on like a an ongoing title before.
0: I can think of people who haven't worked at Marvel before.
1: Right. But like they were Tom worked, King. Tom King, Kenneth Rockefort. Yeah.
0: Those are the but, two I was going to go with.
1: <laughs> but mm-hmm. over at Marvel, there's no for this relaunch, there's no Steve Orlando analog who'd never done a a big two book prior or Sonny Lou. Yeah. Right. Right. Or or... the, the bizarro people. Right. Right. You know, there's several examples of this at DC, whereas I can't think of, I mean, maybe there's some artists that I'm not thinking of that haven't had major work at DC or Marvel that snuck in here, but there's no writer. There's no, there's no like book that you can point to and say, this is someone coming from the outside that clearly has a fresh idea for these characters or for characters that we haven't used in a while or used correctly before, and they are bringing this completely new perspective or fresh take that they've never gotten to use yet at a big two company, whereas DC has several examples of that. Uh, that, that to me, is one it's just one piece of this, but it's a major piece because if you look, the reason I use the term warmed over for the Marvel relaunch is that it really feels like they're just shuffling the same, like, sort of mid tier creators over and over on all these different books.
4: Mm-hmm. And they're not
1: producing anything that feels new anymore. When Marvel Now first happened back in 2012, was over it?
0: 13, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there were, there were a lot of fresh ideas. Even in the last Marvel relaunch, that's when you got Sam Wilson cap, some of this other stuff, you know, where, the, where the, the costumes were moving to new, uh, new characters underneath them, you know, and potentially finding new ground. And in this relaunch, with just a couple exceptions, this is 45 to 60 titles that, by and large, you know, with maybe five or so exceptions, are just reworked versions of things that we've been seeing for the last several years at Marvel. And it's a status quo that is, to, to my eyes, very clearly driven towards creating media synergy, uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it, it means that there's less surprises along the way. With the exception of things like Werewolf by Night and uh, some of these some of these Secret War titles that are continuing... You know, uh aside from that, they're major tentpole books, the books with like their Avengers characters, the teams might be shuffling, but these are very much the same characters that we've already spent time with, and there's no real new approach to them that I can see at least from what limited vantage point we have at this point
0: yeah um I'll throw out one other theory here that theory just other I guess piece of this is that I am. Um... When you look at the teams of the new books, not the creative teams, but the the characters, to me the X-Books got the most shaken up in this. And part of that is because Marvel can roll the dice on the X-Books in, because they don't control the media for them, the other media for them. And so you can put Old Man Logan as the primary Wolverine, or X-23 as the, as the all-new Wolverine book. You can do those things because it doesn't fuck with your film franchise and then actually you do it because it will fuck with somebody else's film <laughs> franchise, you know? And so that allowed them to take the chances that I think that is, are not being taken elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I also think that there is a little bit of new 52 in this, you know, the, um, I forget what book it was. Now it was one of the already, and it was Captain Marvel. When they were talking about Captain Marvel, how she's going to be basically in a space station. Do you guys read this? Oh.
2: I, I think so. Uh, I, it sounds familiar.
0: Essentially, there's going to be a space station that orbits the Earth that will be yes. her sort of base. And they said, like, we're not talking, like, out in deep space like Guardians, but we're not talking on Earth either. And the interviewer asked, like, oh, so, like, S.W.O.R.D., you know, you remember that book, Sword? And they're like, okay. oh, a Sword doesn't take pl- Sword no longer exists post-Secret Wars. Yes. And so that means that things are going to be disappearing uh, from the Marvel continuity.
2: You know what? This I'm glad you brought up Captain Marvel because I think it has another parallel mm-hmm. um, in that the writers, if I'm not mistaken, are... Um, they come from the film side, is that right? Or the TV side? The TV side. side.
0: They're from... Um, Shit! What are they? Agent Carter. Agent Carter. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Yeah,
2: which is a very New Fifty Two move. Like I think about how like Green Arrow after the the Jeff Lemire run brought on Andrew Kreisberg, right? I believe to write the book. Mm -hmm. Um, and this feels very much in that vein.
0: Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the other thing I will say about these is I feel like if Marvel had held off on female Thor, on Cap, on Sam Cap or Fal Cap as I like to call him, um, if 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 Marvel had held off on those things until now, I think we would have a very different opinion of this relaunch. Definitely. Oh, for sure, for sure. And I don't know if this is a lack of foresight with Marvel or if they just feel like every six months they have to really shake things up.
1: Yeah. I just just think they see another opportunity to, to throw out a bunch of
0: number ones.
2: Yeah.
1: All number ones. Interestingly, this, I mean, this is the first time
2: they've done that since the new 52 started. Again,
0: a force number two comes out the day after we record this, a force number one comes out three months later.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, for me, it's just, it seems like an odd time to have this kind of relaunch when it feels, I mean, you're coming off of the end of Jonathan Hickman's huge Avengers run, and then you look at things like, maybe not necessarily all new, all different Avengers, but like the new New Avengers, the new Uncanny Avengers, those books, and you compare that to what Hickman was doing and obviously we know nothing about this other than a piece of art and a tagline a, a tag but it just feels smaller and that's not always a bad thing but maybe even slightly more it's it's hard to compare the two and and when you're just going off of initial impressions that's kind of really important your first reaction to something
1: can I throw this out there, too? Sure. T- take, take a look at the art styles of the books that the two companies are putting out in the relaunch. Over at DC, you've got Prez, you've got Batmite, you've got Bizarro, that look nothing like anything else DC's putting out. Dr. Fate. Dr. Fate, mm-hmm. um, Constantine in some ways. Um uh look over at Marvel that who used to have like Hawkeye,
4: so yeah. a book
1: that looked like nothing else there's not a book over there to that I can think of that evokes that same like whoa, this is different from regular superhero comics. This is different from what I expect a Marvel book to look
2: like, oh yeah and it's funny. Some of like one of, you know, they, they've got Sorrentino now, which was one of the big, um, you know, we used to praise that in Green Arrow and how and, that was kind Empire, of like, yeah. and I, yeah, one of like the big, um, trendsetters, one of the only trendsetters at DC. And now, you know, he's almost one of the only trendsetters at Marvel. It yeah. seems like.
0: Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is I feel like for a little while there, there were a lot of artists who were looking who were taking the hawkeye look and doing a slightly I don't want to say an inferior version but there there are a lot of books that suddenly felt like they fit in the Hawkeye look like it was, sequ- it was
1: artists saying, oh, I can do that, I'm allowed to do that
0: right yeah you know? like I think of like Michael Walsh on um Secret Avengers. Yeah, where like he was doing something very different, but to me that book would have never been greenlit without Hawkeye being a hit. Definitely, you know, and and now I can't even see any books vaguely similar to those. I don't know. Have you
2: have you seen the any of the art for the guy on Karnak? No, I that I think that's going to be a book to watch for six um, issues. Well, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's true. I mean, you know, it probably is going to be the next Moon Knight. Yeah, I will know?
0: buy, I will buy both of you a steak dinner if that gets to number ten with with Warren Ellis writing it. You never pay off on these. Wait, I haven't that. seen you in a while, guys. I, I'm <laughs> keeping tabs. I'm good for it. I got a bunch of drinks for you guys. Don't worry. We'll make a night of it. I we mean, eat for the free, free the next time. We... Yeah, exactly. There,
2: there are a lot of books in here that I'm excited about, and I, you know, I don't want to sound like there's. There are a lot of great artists in here, you know. Um, that that Vision book, yeah, I know we kind yeah. of ch- talked a bit on Twitter. That's really cool. Yeah, um,
0: I mean, I'm a huge fan of Josh Williamson's writing, so I'm glad to see him taking that Illuminati book. I'm yeah. a huge James Robinson fan, Looking and forward, he's got,
2: a, good, you know, yeah, that Squad Supreme looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. There's, it just seems like way more of the same. When yeah. they, they're billing it as the, this ever-growing <laughs> string of adjectives that runs in front of <laughs> Marvel to say how you know special and new this is, when it yeah. it doesn't really feel like that.
0: I also think that it, it it says a lot that when DC had relaunched, their highest title numerically was in the nine hundreds. Mm-hmm. With Marvel relaunching this time. Their highest title, I want to say, is Avengers, which was in the 40s. That sounds right. So that's a big, big difference for renumbering. You know, yes, there's always going to be a couple of books that were in single digits or early double digits that will get relaunched, yes. But almost all of their books were under 20. Yes. And Mm -hmm. they're getting relaunched.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to get people into the shops, but... You can feel the fatigue uh, on social media about it. Yeah. Um, I, I like... The, see, the thing about relaunching everything as a number one right now, so close off of the heels of all new Marvel Now or whatever the last one was, is that it betrays this idea that moving forward, they're going to be doing seasonal... Seasonal relaunches of titles, you know? Which I think is a perfectly valid... I mean, if the books are good, that's a perfectly valid way of going. If you say, okay, this is season one of this book, and this is the beginning, this is the end, it might bleed into the next season, but, but this is what it is now. This is how we're doing things. That's perfectly valid in my mind. It's just, it is so weird coming off the back of such a... Uh, a, a relaunch that was in such close proximity to this one.
0: Um, I mean, it, it was less than a year ago, right? I well, i don't know. Will it be a year come October? I, I'm going to... Whenever, uh, whenever
1: all new Captain America came out with Sam Wilson, that would be my benchmark for the last Marvel relaunch. Which I want to say was in... If it... If it wasn't in 2014, it was, like, late 2013. Let me see. Right?
0: All-new Captain America number one, November 12th, 2014. hmm Whoa. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we're... So, so it was late 2014. We are... This is happening 11 months after the last one. Yeah. Now, granted, that is a season. It is, but, mm-hmm. but
1: I can see... Because it hasn't, it has not been de- defined as a seasonal uh, approach mm-hmm. up until this point. I can see why it rustles the jimmies of these people that that you know think we just did this before. You know, yeah. we just did this nine months ago.
0: Yeah, I, I would. I'd be really interested to see if we took the temperature of see and again you can't do this retroactively because everything gets better with age but to to talk to people right after marvel now and say all right what did you think about this and then talk to them after the second one cuz this is is this the fourth now mm. the launch
2: yes i think so cuz
0: yes. there was there was the initial marvel now where we got hickman on avengers there was one after that when Hawkeye came, right? I um... this is at least the third, if not the fourth.
1: It's definitely at least the third. That's for certain.
0: Yeah, yeah. But like, take the pulse after all of them and see. You know, are fans really happier after these things happen?
1: Well, I can tell you, this is anecdotal for me.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I never pulled as much Marvel as I pulled after Marvel Now happened. And then in the next relaunch, I pulled less, and I had dropped some books. For this coming relaunch, I am maybe, looking over the list and considering the creative teams, I'm maybe going to pick up five or six books out of 45.
0: I did the math yesterday. I want to say I am committed to five and there's five I'm gonna take a shot on. Okay. But again, those. But could see, all, for me, yeah, those could all see, go away too. Those could all suck, and I'm done then. A few minutes later. That's true.
1: But see, then, then for me, just taking like your question was, how fans feel as these went on. Mm-hmm. To me, there were diminishing returns. Now that's just me. But I'm not. I'm not like lying just because I'm a DC guy. This was my. This was my poll list. When Marvel now started, I was. I had like a dozen and a half Marvel books and each time it happened again, I found more and more reasons to call that list.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought that when Hickman jumped to Avengers, that that was the greatest thing Marvel had done. Yeah. In a long yeah. time.
2: And, you know, I think losing him and Reminder and Gillen
0: and Brubaker Baker. And-
2: yeah that yeah Baker and fraction they they and had fraction, kind of gone yeah. a while ago, right. but like having like especially those three come to light in this announcement is a big part of it too um just the absence of those three names kind of makes it seem like the line is stretched a little more thin because you have some some of the more like you know i i I hate like talking about writers and artists in like this ranking fashion because I feel like it kind of diminishes like their their work. But you know, like more middle tier guys like Al Ewing, um and some of the other people who aren't as big but still do really solid work kind of filling into those shoes um and those spots and it's kind of um it's a little jarring at first.
0: Yeah. Well it definitely feels like a line without a superstar right now. Yeah. You know, and and uh, Vince and I were talking before you came on the line before about how Jason Aaron is still there, and we tend to forget Jason Aaron is still there.
4: Mm -hmm. And he's
0: got some of the coolest sounding books. Oh yeah, his books are going to be great. Absolutely. Um, And we also feel like with with Bendis, Bendis is so far past his prime in most people's eyes Mm -hmm. that I don't know if you count him as a superstar anymore. Yeah. I think his Spider-Man title, his his Miles title, will be fine. He, He knows that character really well but I can't imagine enjoying his Iron Man title. And I, I I know I shouldn't write off a book just like that, but I can't imagine enjoying that book.
2: Right. And, I mean, you have Wade on the flagship Avengers book, which is, you know, should be awesome. Yes. It should be very good. And he
0: has Mahmoud Asrar
2: drawing, yeah.
0: which is another great artist.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm still I still find myself way more excited... About the X Men books, which I didn't expect. I expected them to be kind of like shunted off in a corner somewhere and forgotten. Which, in a way, it kind of seems like that's what Marvel <laughs> intended. But in doing so, they made them the most interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, um, well
1: I'm going to tell my joke that I've already told several times. But the it's the 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 rivalry between Marvel and Fox Studios was never more clear to me <laughs> than when they when they relaunched Uncanny X Men with. Greg Land on art. Yep. I yes. know he gets shit on all the time, but Deservedly that is such, so. yes, but that is such a clear, that is a nasty dig at Fox. Like, yeah. Here's your X-Men,
0: Greg Land. <laughs> um, you know, the, the more I think about this, it just seems to me like, okay, so we can all agree that this Marvel relaunch is, is not, the greatest thing that's ever happened. I think we can also agree that Image has lost some of its mojo from the last, from let's say, two years ago. Yeah. When when Image was printing money, right? Yeah. I would say that it's been a while since Dark Horse has released a new series that everybody was talking about. Dark Horse is way more focused on miniseries at
1: this point. Yes. Everything they release is a miniseries, even if, It's in the guise of a greater ongoing series. Right.
0: Um, You know, I I think that both IDW and Boom and Valiant are all picking up steam. But to me, and again, this isn't just because we're the DC3, I feel like DC is kind of where it's at right now.
2: Yeah. 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 And I,
0: you know, I think it, it definitely has to do
2: with the other publishers having a bit of a slump. Yeah. But
0: I agree. I mean, so I'm mean, i a New York Mets fan. I am used to being <laughs> disappointed by things. I have been raised in a culture of disappointment. And I am one of these guys, I am totally fine saying, you know what, guys, things have been sucking lately for DC. I, I am the first guy to call a book that I want to love shit. And I'm having a harder time doing that now because the things are really good.
1: Yeah, yeah. hmm um, the thing that I wanted to end with, and, and you guys can keep going if you've got other stuff to say.
0: No, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty much tapped out here,
1: but I've got one more point. And it's kind of off the back of what you just said about image being down and Marvel being down. These things are cyclical. So, you know, we can feel good cause we're DC fans primarily, um, right now because we, the, the books that we want to like from DC are by and large pretty good. Um, But we know that in five years, or even two or three years, things could be completely different. Look at how fast DC turned it around this time. Like Going into Convergence, we had pie-in-the-sky ideas of what DC could be like coming out of it. And to be honest, I don't think they've reached those ideals. I mean, we were imagining things like, at least I was, like books that took place on alternate Earths, and we're not there yet you know but we
0: may never be there. We may I, never I, I be don't there. know.
1: I think
2: from rumblings I think San Diego is going to be a big place for that kind of stuff. You think so? I think so. I hope that, so, man.
1: That would be great. But um but anyway, the point being, look at how quickly they turned around and and got really favorable in the public eye. And look at how one week of announcements from Marvel like trashed a lot of the goodwill that they had. You know? I mean, the books haven't even come out yet. So that's <laughs> they haven't funny. even been
0: solicited <laughs> yet. They haven't
1: even <laughs> been solicited yet. Uh, we haven't technically gotten the copies of the thing that retailers were supposed to get before everybody else that announced these titles, you know? And Marvel's yep. goodwill is like circling the drain. I don't know if that's fair, but the point is, is that these things change very quickly and we've seen DC go through ups and downs. We've seen Marvel go through ups and downs. They were on an incredible upswing. And so even though we're DC fans, like uh, um, a rising tide, you know, floats all boats or whatever it is. Um, We want to see Marvel succeed. I'm sure we want to like their books for a long time. We did like their books, right? I mean, I mean, back when Brubaker was on his big cap run, the, the, there were, like, several long runs that were some of the greatest Marvel runs of all time. Yeah, they were
0: unquestionably right? great.
1: Yeah, and, and it'll happen again for them, and DC will be down again someday. So we're not going to sit here and boast about, like, oh, you know, DC's doing so much better than Marvel right now because look at how quickly it can all turn around, you know? I think it's interesting to see what DC has kind of taken from Marvel that Marvel did well in the public eye, and now what pitfalls Marvel's falling into that just a few years ago DC had previously fallen into. It's really interesting how cyclical it all really
0: is. I have one more question for you guys I want to end on. Looking back on the New 52, was there a single significant creator defection at that time. You mean from like when DC relaunched Flashpoint those two. books say okay we got from Marvel this guy in the new 52. Mhm. In that first launch mm-hmm. of
2: books. I mean we got Scott Scott Lobdell
1: from the '90s, <laughs> from '90s Marvel. <laughs> Doc Brown showed up in a time machine. We've got to go forward, yeah. You need to fuck up this book, Scott. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, I don't think so. Um, no. I'm... John Romita is like the one, but he was, you know, several years after. Yeah, I don't even. No, I don't think so.
4: Where
0: are you going with this, Brian? But this is exactly where Marvel is right now. Oh, but they're losing. They're losing creatives. But we were doing the same. I mean, we. Uh, we.
1: we. But like, <laughs> now, now who's in league yeah. with?
0: But like Greg Rucka had just <laughs> left at that point. Mark oh, Wade yeah. had just left at that point. Um, uh, yeah. Wait a minute.
1: What, when did Rucka and Wade leave? What books were they on before Flashpoint? Rucka did stuff on and off. Yeah. I think Wade was long
0: gone by then. Yeah,
1: um, see, I think that's why I'm not associating the same sort of deal, because I feel like those guys were long gone.
0: I would say Wade was as gone as Fraction is for this relaunch. Okay. Yeah.
2: But the thing is, Rucka had gone to Marvel, whereas Fraction, I don't see him stepping anywhere near D.C. for a, w- a while, if ever. No,
0: but what a fucking coup that would be. That would be huge. Yeah, I'm still
2: pining. I've been pining for probably the past five years for a Jonathan Hickman Legion of
1: Superheroes book. I am
0: with you on that.
1: And if that ever happened... um... You're going to get me all hot and bothered over here, guys.
0: (laughs) It appears that Wade left DC in something like 2009.
2: I thought it was like right after fifty two. I can't, I can't remember anything he had done post that.
0: He did the Flash after that, and he launched the Brave and the Bold. Okay, George. Oh, that's right. that's right. So it wasn't quite. It wasn't quite. But anyway, I I just feel like that this is this in so many ways really is the Marvel New Fifty Two more than we said Marvel now was and all that. This is really the Marvel New Fifty Two. But let me ask you this. Yeah, sure. Are they?
1: are they leaving because of editorial differences like Rucka did and like Wade did and like the guys after the new 52 launched did like I've heard rumblings that, that Hickman had certain ideas about Avengers that ultimately got spun into infinity and secret wars events that he didn't really want to take on. Um, but those were just rumors and, I've heard things about Rick Remender's time there towards the end, um, And up, up. Yeah,
0: what I mean, was Fraction, the deal with... oh. started in humans, and then and didn't then... even get like two issues into it, and they had didn't even.
1: Ideas. Yeah,
3: yeah,
0: that's true. Before he got sold, <laughs> sold. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um. But yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think you've got a point here.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It is. Well, that brings us to the end of another DC3cast. Thank you all so much for listening to this two hour extravaganza featuring all things DC. Um, you can find all of us at multiversitycomics.com. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. Where are you guys?
1: I am at VJ underscore OSTROWSKI. And I'm at Sir
0: Fox eighty nine. What does that mean, Zach?
2: Okay, it's a long
0: story. Do, do you want
2: me to tell the story?
0: <laughs> Give us like the the, okay. the, the dime store okay. version here. Well,
2: basically, like in undergrad, I, the college I went to, we didn't have fraternities. We had uh, these uh, things called social clubs that you you, you pledge like a fraternity, but they weren't really fraternities. And so we all, you know, instead of like having a a big long like rush thing whenever there was like a week and um during that week you were given a name and um the pledge uh, the club i was pledging was called knights and i that week had to pretend to be a fox for the entire week (laughs) so like i couldn't talk i had to like crawl around i had to like stamp a paw print to sign my name and so then after that... um This is I, a much
0: better story than I was anticipating. Everyone life. just
2: called me Fox for the rest of my, you know, college career. And then, like, you know, so Knights, Sir, such and such. So I was just like, that was just my moniker. Um, what did you get out of this? What did I get? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I I made <laughs> a lot of friends. I mean, like, you know, that was like... I I mean, I could talk about that forever. That was, you know... The defining i those guy the guys that I pledged with and friends I made you know those are still some of my best friends. Oh, um, well, it was
1: worth it then. Yeah, yeah. it was
2: totally worth it. Um, so yeah, it's just you know reminiscent of a very special and important time in my life. So that's my real moment with Zach.
0: <laughs> For some reason, I thought it was based around Star Fox. No, I <laughs> thought
1: the same thing. I don't know why we both no.
0: went that way. <laughs> I like. He really likes
1: Star Fox. Yeah. No. But yeah, well. that's why on, my,
2: on Facebook my middle name is Fox too, just because for the longest, more people knew me as Fox than by Zach.
1: Um, Interesting. Yeah. I, I was known in college as the guy who uh, who drank himself under the table every night and played Madden until four in the morning and skipped class. <laughs> um, your story's better. <laughs> I, I, had,
0: it I had a joke, but I'm too lazy to bleep out what I was going to say, and it's it's more offensive than you'd think. So I'm just going to leave this <laughs> on the table, no. and uh, we will see you guys next month. Good night.